Hello and welcome to the EdSurge On Air podcast. I'm Jeff Young. If you think of Purdue University's recent purchase of a for-profit university as a marriage, there were plenty of people at the wedding ceremony shouting objections. The loudest were Purdue professors, who argued that this pair were far too incompatible to unite. Just last week on this podcast, I talked with the chancellor of this new entity called Purdue University Global, which formed when Purdue bought Kaplan University. The chancellor, Betty Vandenbosch, shared her vision for Purdue University Global and talked about how this pairing was going to work. After we ran that interview, one professor reached out to us and, and offered to share the Purdue faculty side of the story. The particular professor was David Sanders, and he's been one of the most vocal opponents of this merger having led a petition effort that was signed by hundreds of faculty members at Purdue. So we set up a call to try to better understand what what those faculty concerns are. We're not trying to take sides here. It's clear that the cultures and and the operating procedures of Purdue University Global and of Purdue University are, are quite different, and that the cultures are clashing in Indiana. To be fair to both sides, we did reach out to Purdue University Global um, to give them a chance to respond uh, just running a couple specific points by them, although they haven't heard this interview. And they dispute many of the of, of, of what um, Sanders sort of said in, in the podcast. But I'll read the statement by the university at the end of the podcast, and, and you can piece it together yourself. We'll have the conversation with David Sanders right after this. This episode of the Ed Surge on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ed Surge Guide, Social Emotional Learning, Why It Matters and How to Foster It. To read more, visit bit all right, I'm talking today with David Sanders, Associate Professor of Biological Sciences at Purdue University and a past chair of the Purdue University Senate. Um, he has organized a petition against um, the merger of Purdue and Kaplan University that, that created what is now called uh, Purdue University Global. Thanks so much for, for talking with us today. Glad to be here. I guess it's it's been about a year, I think, or a little more since this was announced, but I'm curious to hear, you know, you're somebody who's been at Purdue for a while, clearly, you know, active in the faculty. Um, what was your initial reaction to to the news that this, which was pretty unusual, a lot of people were surprised that Purdue, which is a obviously very well reputed public university, would be kind of part, buying or merging with this, or you know, I guess however you want to say it, buying Kaplan University to create an online wing. It was announced to the faculty immediately before there was going to be a public announcement by the Board of Trustees at a Board of Trustees meeting. So it was already a done deal is what you're saying? It was already, there was no consultation with the faculty. Uh, There had been consultation with the state legislature. So there was enabling uh, legislation that was already in the works. And it was announced to the faculty and there was nothing but stunned silence. Uh, there were no questions. Normally, the faculty likes to ask questions and understand the implications, but this was just so overwhelming. And the fact that the faculty had not been consulted about a such an important educational issue was just stunning. So there were so many questions that no one asked any questions at that time. What we did was to... Uh, create a special session of the university senate to try to address these issues. And we generated about 150 questions that we submitted 
to the administration about this issue. And so that's how uh, our involvement got started. When I first heard about this, uh, I had questions, but I didn't have any particular opinion about whether it was a good thing or not. And I, that is why I had the special session of the Senate schedule. Uh, as I learned more and more about the merger, the acquisition, I uh, became more and more opposed to it. And so did uh, the overwhelming majority of my uh, faculty colleagues. So that's why we uh, generated it, a, uh, the, a, and a petition essentially asking for more consultation for consideration of the faculty opinion. The faculty are the individuals who understand education best, and yet we were excluded from providing any input into the uh, acquisition. We, we think that we could have provided, whether or not it was going to go forward, in any case, we could at least provided useful uh, advice about uh, the nature of the union and about whether this particular union, I mean, there are many for-profit educational entities out there, uh, whether this was the best fit for Purdue, whether a 30-year contract was, in fact, the best way to proceed. But we weren't uh, consulted about any of these matters. They were all just presented to us. Now, in um, in talking with the, the Chancellor of Purdue University Global, you know, one of the things that struck me um, was that it felt like, you know, even though they're, the Purdue is in the name, it just, a lot of her answers about how things would go, it struck me that this is a very separate operation with its own culture, not not planning to adopt the way Purdue does things and, and not necessarily even um, involving that many professors on, you know, that at, at Purdue, you know, it seemed like a separate world that was kind of then a, a united under a name. And, and, and there's some other reasons why that would, there'd be other things, benefits, I guess, to the university, but, but it did seem so separate. And I guess in some ways, one question for Purdue faculty that people might have is, so why not just have, why not have this separate organization doing it a little bit, doing education differently as she, as she admits, than, than what you all do and doing it for, you know, in a certain way for an audience that they think needs it. And you're doing your thing for an audience you think needs it. What, what's wrong with that kind of situation if, if that's what she's painting. So it does seem, in, at least in the short run, that it's going to be separate. Uh, we've already heard from fellow faculty that they are being pressured to create materials for uh, Purdue University Global. And it's not clear who owns the intellectual property on those sorts of, of courses. And we as faculty take pride in the education that we are providing to students at Purdue University, and we take pr pride in the Purdue name and the extension of the Purdue name to a for-profit entity. It's now referred to as a public benefit corporation, but it is not actually a public university. University is not subject to open records rules. It's gonna to continue to operate essentially as a corporate entity not as an educational entity. The purpose of a for-profit corporate entity is to make money. That is not the purpose of Purdue University. So uh, having Purdue's name associated with this 
uh, entity, I think, is, is detrimental. I think it will create confusion. I think it will cheapen the value of a, a Purdue degree. Uh, I think she mentioned, I was surprised by this, that they're going to have one alumni association of uh, Purdue University Global and Purdue University West Lafayette. She did say uh, that. I mean, that's uh, sort of crazy. If you think of the vast difference in the quality of the of the education, in the the nature of the uh, education, that's just not. Um, it's it's a step towards uh, diminishing the value of a uh, Purdue University education, in which uh, the faculty take great pride of the education that we've provided uh, to the students. I, I see in the petition and in, in, it seems like one of the, the concerns is this quality of education being lower in your view at the, what, at what um, the Purdue University Global does. However, aren't they accredited by, you know, they, they have accreditation or they, you know, they had it as Kaplan University and, and that would be something they try to keep. And, and the Higher Learning Commission, doesn't that also accredit Purdue? So what's the difference and what is your, what's your concern over the quality and where does that come from? Well, I was actually very disappointed in the Higher Learning Commission. I, I have come to the conclusion that uh, accreditation by this particular organization isn't um, all that demonstrative of educational quality. Uh, they definitely paid no attention whatsoever to uh, faculty voices uh, on these issues. There is, in essence, uh, no academic freedom at Purdue University Global. They have a boilerplate statement that they've taken from somewhere else, uh, but there are no, there are no, it's, it doesn't have any real meaning in the absence of uh, protections that are in place at a place like Purdue University. And I think that's intentional. Um, but, but she, you know, even when I was talking to, um, Betty Vandenbosch, excuse me, the chancellor, wasn't her contention that the faculty are, are sort of know what they're getting into. And so they hire people who don't at all object to being, um, teaching something that is a kind of a, a common curriculum for, for that topic. Um, and, and she said that that faculty, that faculty sort of came together to create one curriculum for X number, you know, for every topic, as I understood it in, in, in the interview. Right. Well, I'm with people who are, uh, either former employees or afraid for their employment tell me is that the faculty do not create the curriculum, that it is, uh, decided by administrators who are interested in maximizing profit not in the educational experience of students. You know, it is, when, when the chancellor mentioned that these are people who, we hire people who understand this process, yes, they're hiring people who have received their degrees through this process. So um, it is, uh, yeah, it's, this is, this is, again, not, the sort of corporate structure that Purdue University should be associating with. There's just, there's, a, there's just no comparison. It does not belong in the Purdue University system. It is an end run around academic freedom. It's an end run around um, tenure and normal criteria for promotions and, and job protection. 
So I guess the, you know, the, the other thing that's been said of Kaplan is by, you know, the, the chancellor, when I talked to her and, and I've seen others um, make this claim that, that Kaplan, that you can't, that's unfair to paint all for profits, uh, higher ed in the same brush and that they were, they were not a bad actor, even though there were bad actors in the space. So first is that there were problems with Kaplan recruitings. They did have to uh, change things in the past. Um, are they not as bad as others? Well, how would we know? What, what's the average GPA at uh, Purdue University Global? I don't know. Nobody knows. You know mm -hmm. What's the standards? You know, what are the standards uh, for, for grading? How likely it is, is it that somebody will fail? I've been told by people that they are discouraged from failing people because it means that uh, they won't be getting revenue uh, from them in the future. Just a quick cut in here. Uh, as I mentioned, we reached out to Purdue University Global, and, and this is one of the points they dispute. Uh, as they said in a statement, quote, this is not a practice of Purdue Global's administrators, as it is ethically wrong and not in the best interest of our students. Um, so I guess I wanted to, one of the things that um, the, the chancellor said as well was that, you know, over time that, that she hoped to convince the faculty, like yourself, I imagine, that they can coexist with you. Um, and I wonder, has there been, do you have any sense among the people who might have signed the petition um, back a few months ago when, when that was put forth? Are, are, there, are faculty changing their mind, do you think, on this at all, based on what they've seen so far? The approach has been one of resignation, not of acceptance. So I, I know very few faculty that see this as a positive um, for Purdue University. I hear from alumni and from parents of students who don't think that this is a positive, and they're no more convinced. I mean, the arguments, the, the, there has been an effective marketing campaign uh, where it's discussion about uh, this is, you know, we're reaching underserved populations, or this is an extension of the land-grant mission, uh, so on and so forth. None of which is, in fact, true. It's, it's effective marketing, but it's not, it's not actually true, and it's not convincing. Uh, to the faculty, but the faculty have um, very few tools at their disposal to try to maintain the standards for Purdue University uh, as a whole. We can we can have be effective here at uh, West the West Lafayette campus, uh, but we are given no input, and we're also provided with essentially no information about what goes on at Purdue University Global when. Purdue University Global first emerged, uh, if you looked at the website, it's subsequently been changed because there was so much concern about it, but the global website was talking about how Purdue is, you know, a, one of the top five ranked uh, public universities, and it's a world-class education, none of which applies to uh, Kaplan. It's, a, it's irrelevant to um Kaplan. Now that's subsequently been been changed, but that was that was the marketing. This is all. This is really what concerns us is that this is all just a marketing campaign. There is no um, there's no real sense. There's no real way to get any information that would provide us with a um, with any reassurance about the quality of the education at uh, at Kaplan at now Purdue University Global. What about this argument that you know there is um, that, that that somehow 
nonprofit traditional higher ed moves so slowly and that there's a need for in serving populations that, that you know certain people looking for their you know going to college for certain reasons or their adult students trying to get a job or up their career um and that for those students that maybe a for-profit model could work better what what about that argument because that's essentially the the for-profit industry's argument on this on this point is that they can innovate faster they can they can kind of have a, a motivation and a, and a pace that you can't have they say at uh at a, at a nonprofit as you as you work for at purdue right so the quantitative measures are uh, are people defaulting? They are, uh, the, they are recruiting people. They, why would they spend so much on recruiting people rather than high, hiring um, more qualified educators? It's because it's all about the money. But these arguments, they sound convincing on the surface, but there's no matter there. And then the idea that they can be you know, more dynamic, more dynamic to what end? More dynamic in order to generate more profit. They're not more dynamic because they're going to serve the students' interests better. What's the evidence for that? There's no evidence for it. And, and you fear that see, will continue even under this new arrangement? I'm sorry? Yeah. There's, no, there's simply no evidence that uh, our taking over uh, this entity is going to improve its operation, improve the education. There's, and there's no evidence that, this, that, that people have been, in fact, benefiting on, a, on an economic or educational uh, level from these for-profit colleges. I, I, have a, I have an, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that in, in online education these days, which, which we cover here quite a bit at EdSurge, um, even, you know, among whether whoever it is, even traditional universities that have been around a long time, when they get into online education, there are, you know, I'm told there are, I did a story about how, how much, um, even think places like um, Southern New Hampshire University, the millions and millions of dollars they spend each year on marketing, which when I talked to the president, you know, they said they have to do this to get students because it's a different, you know, the, the, how do you, how else do you get people around the country to know about it? It's not, you know, it's, it doesn't, the, the way you, you attract students is just different in the online world, I'm told. You know, it, it is, it is the case. And, and I guess one of the things that is, is argued on the, the Purdue situation is that, okay, if you want to get into the, the business of online education, for whatever reason, um, partly also to grow enrollments and have, you know, to, to create another revenue for the university to help the whole university system, then, then this is, this is just the price of admission, whatever, whatever, you know, your group you're working with or whether you start it yourself or, or work with a, a partner. There's an ethical issue. We have an ethical responsibility as an educational, a public educational institution. I, you know, you can make all these arguments about uh, you can, you know, it's online. I'm not opposed to online education as being an adjunct to, uh, you know, traditional education. I, I do all sorts of things online. It would be silly not to have that as, uh, as an element. But the idea that it is in any way uh, a replacement, in any way as effective uh, for, for students, uh, whether it um, whether it's actually, you know, show me the evidence that for-profit education has had a positive uh, economic effect for its students. I, I don't know of the evidence that um, 
that that exists. And you know, what's what's the next step at this point? Have all have they have they overcome all the hurdles? Is this is this pretty much a done deal? The Purdue University Global at this point? Absolutely, it is a uh, you know legally it's a done mm-hmm. deal as far as I can tell. Uh, it is part of the purpose of the University Senate to continue to be an advocate for the instructors at all of the Purdue units. Uh, But it's also, we are, um, I actually believe that the faculty are the university. It's not the administrators who are the university administrator, and it's not even the students, because the students, you know, they come in and, and they go. It is the faculty that is the, provides the institutional continuity. And so we are the ones who are most concerned about the reputation of Purdue University. And I think this is a reputational issue. And so I think that um, trying to monitor what's happening at Purdue Global, trying to get as much information uh, about it, and speaking out when these uh, things are inconsistent with the values that we espouse as a public educational uh, institution. These are things that the Senate is going to continue to do. And I, I'm certainly, as a member of the Senate, uh, I'm certainly going to continue to do um, on my own and with my colleagues. And, and so your, your, your hope at this point is just to continue to raise these same issues. Yes. Uh, and, you know, know it's, it's not necessarily that uh, Purdue University Global is, uh, you know, going to go away. I think it can be improved. And the only way it can be improved is by dialogue, exchange, discussion, perseverance. That's, that, those, are, those, are, those are what are necessary. We can't just let it go. We can't just say, okay, it's just, it has the Purdue name, but it has nothing to do with Purdue. We, we're not concerned about it whatsoever. Um, you know, that, that, that would not be a responsible position on the issue. Is there, I mean, would there be a, a scenario where, where you, where a dialogue, where you were invited as faculty members to, to be involved with, with planning or changing or, you know, kind of um, doing something with the, the Purdue University Global that, to have some input, to, to start to work with it? Would that, would, would that be something you'd welcome? Absolutely. But you haven't, that hasn't happened, I take it. No, because... We're being told that this is completely separate, that we don't really have any, uh, I mean, the whole, in this whole process, we're being told that we are, in essence, irrelevant to uh, the takeover and the university, you know, Purdue University Global, uh, and there is no information. This is a, this, you know, for a Purdue University, my salary is public information. Uh, everything about what we teach is public information. Uh, there's, it's easy to get access to what sort of research is being conducted here, so on and so forth. Try to do that for Purdue University Global. You can't do it. Uh, it is, and, and that's deliberate. Mm-hmm. It is a secretive corporation. There's no way for, for anybody to actually investigate what is going on at that corporate entity. This mm-hmm. is antithetical to what academic life is all about. We are about openness and transparency uh, and the truth, ultimately. 
And Purdue University uh, Global doesn't exemplify any of those characteristics. Well, I think I'll leave it at that. Um, I appreciate yeah. your time and thank you for thank you so much for reaching out. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Sure. Okay. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we thought it only fair to reach out to Purdue University Global and and run some of those specific concerns and objections by them and, and get their 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 response. It turns out that Purdue University Global does actually kind of exist in this realm outside of public record requests. But here's what it ex- ex- how to explain that. Um, a spokesman in Purdue Global said, quote, the rules governing public records requests were really a byproduct of selecting this particular choice of entity, which is public benefit corporation. A public benefit corporation like this already falls outside the definition of a public agency, they said, um, under Indiana's public access laws. Since Purdue Global will neither receive nor use any taxpayer funds, the typical rationale for requiring public access does not apply, end quote. Um, and of course, the statement um, goes out of its way to make clear that Purdue University Global is, cares about students and, and education, and, and and that's their focus. Um, and and says in quotes, everyone at Purdue Global is committed to to our mission of education. Oh, out of curiosity, we did ask what the average GPA of students enrolled at Purdue University Global is. Um, and I guess for more than one semester, the average they told us is three point two six. It's going to be interesting to see whether this divide uh, between the two cultures is bridged over time. But for now, it seems there remains some confusion and mistrust at Purdue about what this Purdue Global is and, and how it all works. This has been the Edge on Air podcast. If, if you like the show, please subscribe. And if possible, take a few minutes to leave us a rating. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more conversations about the future of education. Thanks for listening. <laughs>